Happy Easter, everyone, and welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. This week, Simon Barrington is joined by nurse, lecturer, and pastor's wife, Debbie Duncan. Debbie recently won the prestigious Queen's Award for Nursing, and is the author of two books, The Daily Art of Resilience and Brave, Being Courageous in All Seasons of Life. Well, welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Debbie Duncan. Uh, Debbie is a nurse and a nurse lecturer, and uh, she's been writing about the issues of, of resilience and bravery and, and courage for quite some time now. So, Debbie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Brilliant. So, um, how did you first become aware that maybe resilience was an issue in, in those people that were around you? Um, there was a couple of scenarios. One was several years ago, I was with a friend and we were in Kenya and we were at a conference for missionaries from all over Africa. And while we were there, we um, actually did a seminar on resilience because at the time it was a, a sort of buzzword and in sort of health and well-being. Um, but we also realized that actually these individuals um, hadn't had time to think about it. How did they how could they improve their own physical, mental, spiritual resilience because they were so busy? And many of them were parents with small children. Often these children had um, illnesses, and every time they had an illness, they were concerned it was malaria. And it it just made me think, gosh, I'm sure there's things we can do. And then the second was actually in our own lives because we had several um, sudden deaths in our family. And after each after each one, I became quite poorly. Um, I think I had flu. I had um, a clot in my lung. And I thought, gosh, what is it about death and bereavement um, that makes you particularly vulnerable? And can you actually do something um, so that you can improve your own resilience? And, and how did you face up to those issues your, yourself? And where is this understanding of how you can deal with resilience uh, come from? You're a nurse, you're a teacher, you're a pastor's wife. Um, how's that kind of inputted into uh, the way that you're now helping other people uh, deal with this issue of resilience? I think it's a quite an interesting topic, but also as a nurse, you know, we're, we're, we base what we do on the theories of Florence Nightingale. So obviously, as one of the first nurses uh, as such, um, she based care or the model of care upon looking after somebody, body, soul and mind. And so as a nurse, I've always been taught that that's what I should do. And her theory of nursing very much came from the, her faith, her personal faith, and from the Beatitudes. And then looking at scripture, I think I began to realize that actually we are tripartite, very much like God, in that we are made, made in his image. And again, we're body, soul, and mind. And there's times when we don't always think about the impact of one and the other. So I hope that makes sense. Mm. So, Yeah, it does, absolutely. So what do you see happening how how is people men, mental resilience impacted by their physical resilience how's their spiritual resilience impacted by their mental resilience how do those things interact and, and play off one another um there's some really good examples i think like i said before grief is one of them um so interestingly you know you hear the old story that that person broke died of a broken heart so an example would be um, when James Callaghan died of pneumonia in 92, you know, obviously as a UK prime minister, um, his death was in the press. His wife died. He only died 10 days after his wife. And again, 
And these are extreme examples, but it just shows you actually how the, the physical can impact the mental and spiritual. Um, and another example is Carrie Fisher. And some of, some of us are Star Wars fans, so we'll know her from the Star Wars days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in December 2016, she died very suddenly on the way back to the States. And her mother died just, you know, I think several days later of a stroke. Um, and she was dealing with grief. And, you know, when we deal with some of these physical things, they have an impact on our mental well-being. And I think sometimes we forget that we are made, you know, we have these three parts of ourselves. I know in the press at the moment, there's a lot about mental illness, mental health. But we all have mental health, like we all have physical health, like we all have spiritual health, and they do impact one another. Um, I think a good example of that in the Bible is is um, Jonah and how depressed he became when he didn't step into God's will and he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And he became quite depressed, didn't he? He sat, he sat under the tree and was very upset when it withered and died. So I think these are just some of the examples of it. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, you're married to a, a church leader, to, to Malcolm. Are there particular issues that impact people who are leading churches or who are in pastoral uh, care of, of people? And are there particular stresses and strains that impact their resilience um, and their ability to cope in, in difficult and trying circumstances? Um, absolutely. I think the biggest is, is the workload in that we, we don't, we're not always very good with our, our life work balance. Um, sometimes because we have acute needs that we're trying to deal with supporting people. But there's a fantastic, um, translation, um, in the message of the Beatitudes when it says, um, when you are careful, that's when you are being cared for. Um, and it's that whole, um, that that whole aspect of of giving so much to care for people um, that that sometimes our own um, reserves um, dwindle and we have to be so reliant on God um, and sometimes we are so busy looking after people supporting people helping people that we forget about our own physical well being so I think that's quite a key area yeah what what are the what are the coping mechanisms that you try and help uh people to put into place in their daily lives both at a spiritual level physical level and, and, and mental as well how do you help people try and address this issue of resilience i i think going back right back to what resilience means it's our ability to bounce back and that's from um an event or personal tragedy and i i describe it very much like an elastic band um we can stretch an elastic band but it never goes back to the shape it was originally and i think when we go through um lots of different events in our lives whatever those um personal events are um, as christians we would not expect to go back to what we were before because obviously god is doing a work in us um but we can develop we can develop strategies to help us um, to perhaps bounce back slightly better. So an example would be, um, I say to people, you know, consider that you are made of these three parts. So try and keep yourself well physically, whether that's very simply as, you know, making sure that you have a really healthy diet, that you're eating at the right times, that you're, you're perhaps taking multivitamins, um, that you regularly exercise, all the things that we know about and we're not so good at. 
I think if we remind ourselves that if we do these things, they actually impact our spiritual well-being and our mental well-being, then perhaps we'll, we'll do them or we try to do them a bit better. Um, the kind of spiritual areas, um, things like spiritual disciplines, absolutely key. Um, they are so helpful. We all develop our own rhythm. We know um, that we should rest. Um, God has showed us, you know, in it, that his pattern of rest and well-being. And so, you know, examples from that and, again, like using the spiritual disciplines, uh, developing our own sort of work-life balances, all of those sort of practical things are really helpful. And then the other thing is to think about our actual spiritual well-being. And there are lots of health checks that we can do or they're, they're a spiritual health check. I know CWR have got one. Um, and in the resilience book, I've actually um, put together a very simple one. I uh, use the, the kind of the picture of the of the body and, and things like um you know, our digestion and our eyes and our ears as examples to the kinds of things that we can think about, about our, our spiritual well-being and doing a health check, looking at those areas, seeing what we can improve. And uh, what role does, does prayer play in becoming daily resilient, do you think? Absolutely key. Absolutely key. And I think, you know, when we're busy, we don't always pray as we want to or as we should. But I love the story of Susanna Wesley. You know, I think they had 19 kids all together. And um, there was this. Okay. <laughs> How do you pray? And That's a, that sounds stressful. That sounds stressful. <laughs> and she also wrote books as well. You know, she wrote theology books. She taught in her own right. You know, she was a leader as well. So how do you find that balance? And there was this description of her of, of sitting in a corner of a room and putting her um, apron over her head and her family knew that was when she was having a quiet time. And so I call them my tea towel moments that actually you can center yourself and you, you only need a couple of minutes to be able to center yourself on Christ and, and just, you know, pray and say, Lord, help me to center my life again just now if you're in the middle of chaos. <laughs> So absolutely. So regular prayer and having those moments are so important. Now, I find in my own life that actually um, finding a rhythm that works for me is really important. And, you know, uh, I was CEO of a, quite a big organization for 14 years. And, and I would on a Friday lunchtime go out and prayer walk for two hours. And, and that just worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it, it worked for me in terms of helping me keep my mental health in uh, in step, helping me get my physical health yeah. uh, in step, but also in terms of giving me perspective. How, how much do people have to experiment, do you think, with the rhythms that work for them? And are there different rhythms for different seasons of life, do you think? I, I do. I think there is. I know that when I was younger and didn't have a family, then I would get up much earlier in the morning and have a, a more prolonged um, quiet time. That has changed as my life has changed. Um, but I think you have to find the rhythm that works for you. And some people, their rhythm is a very, very fast beat. Um, my husband's is like that. He has a very, very fast beat to the core of his life. Um, mine is perhaps a, a little bit slower, um, but we have to find what works for us. Some people absolutely love, ha you know, having a jog in the morning that sets them up for the day. Other people just take themselves off quietly to a room somewhere. You've just got to find out what works with you. And then when you find it, um, ut utilize it 
my favorite mm. <laughs> if I get the chance um, <laughs> is going off to the gym and plugging in my headphones and watching the TV programs I want to watch that nobody else wants to see and I know that I'm kind of chilling okay. out <laughs> <laughs> and is there a sense in which you know that that fills your tank and builds capacity in you to face up to stresses or strains that might come in the week is that is that what you're doing when you're when you're doing that yeah because I will have time to pray reflect think it's not always about you know watching tv and doing things you know I'm not a particularly um you know sporty person but it supports my exercise tolerance it helps me just process things that are going in my life it's time out from my normal timetable um, and I find it quite important and the other thing that I think is so important for us as Christians is discipline and it it helps me be more disciplined so the times when I haven't been going I haven't been going recently I really know and um, it really does impact me mm. Now, self self care seems to be a big issue for leaders, yeah. And I'll often say to leaders, actually, the biggest gift you can give to the people around you is actually to to look after yourself, yeah. Because actually, if you burn yourself out, you're 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 no use to it. Anybody? Why is self care such a big issue for leaders? Why is it so difficult? Do you think for leaders to get to that point where they have a healthy rhythm and they are leading out of who they are rather than uh, rather than leading out of low reserves? Or why why is that such a big issue? I think there's a couple of things. I think you know, as leaders, um, we should be examples for people, shouldn't we? So um, you know, the, the, we should be illustrating these principles in our own lives. But also, there's a, we have a very, very strong work ethic, or, or have had, and we've lived in the the, the wake of that. But we also um, have this idea that rest is a bad thing, and it's not. And if we um, remind ourselves that actually, you know, our Creator God rested, and He He taught us He taught us these principles as well that actually rest doesn't have to be just lying on the sofa watching TV. It comes in lots of shapes and forms. And we look after ourselves and we make sure that we work and rest. Then they're just really good principles that we're instilling in other people. So it's so important that we do look after ourselves. And also, you know, if you're unwell, if you don't look after yourself, you're not going to be able to cope with moments of crisis, then you really aren't going to help the people around you, whether it's your team or the people that you're helping to support. Because you yourself are unwell. No, absolutely. Do you, do you think there's a theological blockage there? You know that actually th- that we don't care for ourselves in a way that reflects a theological understanding of who we are in in Christ. Almost. Um, I think there is. I mean, there is this kind of theology of work, but we're not so good at thinking about what is does a theology of rest look like, and um, you know, like I said, lying down, resting has sometimes been um, considered as being idle, you know, stopping. There's no not a problem with stopping. It's a good thing to be able to do. You know, we, we know that Jesus actually intentionally walked up a mountain to get away from people and have some quiet time or deliberately stepped into a boat to get, you know, to go into the middle of the lake so he would get away from people and have time out. And, and so it's a really important. It's, um, it is a good principle to have. We've lived in the history of that. 
No, we've lived in the history of that. And also, I think, um, particularly if we talk perhaps mission partners, often they've said, well, I've been called, I'm working overseas. And if I think about the mission partners I've spoken to, and I've said to them, you know, have you gone for your health check? When did you last have your blood pressure done? And often they would say, oh, I haven't. God's looking after me. Well, actually, God expects us to also look after ourselves. And we've got medicine and social sciences. He's gifted us those things. And we can utilize them to look after ourselves. Now, I had an incident back in um, my early career where um, I was commuting down to London every day and uh, just wearing myself out. And I sat down with my church pastor who basically said to me, Simon, you know, could you work from home a day a week or maybe even two days a week? And I went, oh, gosh, I'm not sure I can do that. And his challenge to me was, "Well, well, can you trust God enough that actually... It's his organization and that he can do what he needs to do without you killing yourself in the in the process. And for me, it was a theological issue of trust. Actually, do you see that in, in, in the leaders you're working with and the people you're working with? Yes, I, I, I think that is also an issue, too. And perhaps it also depends on your personality type as well or your background. You know, if you feel that you have to um, prove something or prove yourself worth, then perhaps you're going to work harder and harder and harder, um, but actually not give yourself time out as you should. So it's just an issue of security in, in people's identity, really, that drives them to overworking rather than resting and trusting God and, and, and doing the self-care that you've been talking about. Yes, and we can see that really clearly in the sec- secular world. You know, if we take banking as an example you know there's been cases where there's been I think there was a an individual a couple of years ago that um that died from overwork basically um they they were a young man and and they just were doing far too many hours to prove themselves um in a in one of the banks it's tragic isn't it absolutely tragic yeah now how can leaders help their followers to become more resilient what what are the things that um leaders can put into place in their churches and their organizations that will encourage the kind of um uh disciplines that you're talking about at a mental physical and and spiritual level i love the the fact that we are thinking more about mental health and i know that um people like christy rimber and Catherine Welby has been very much involved in in educating and supporting people. Um, There's also a a lot around Christian mindfulness. People like Sean Lambert's been involved in that. Um, And just reminding us that we we are um, people that have a body, a soul and a mind and reminding us. And I think as leaders, it's so important to remind the people that we're working with um, that that is the case and that, we are spiritual beings, but we also have these other sides to our nature. And it's important that we um, are reminded of that, I think. Mm, brilliant. Now, you've, you've written another book following on from the Resilience book um, about bravery. Uh, tell us about that, Debbie. Um, I, <laughs> there's a couple of reasons why I did it. Um, one of them you will laugh, I think, at. And that was um, we had a, a oh dear, we had an event coming up, and um, I had to be brave for it. And I remember standing in the shop thinking, I've got so many grey hairs, I want to to dye my hair red, 
and be like Merida, the, the girl in the brave film from <laughs> the Disney Pixar film of 2012. Yeah, yeah I remember um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, there was more to it than that, um, because a, a few weeks later, somebody came up to me in church and said, actually, God has... Um, wants to remind you that you have to keep on being brave. They didn't know about the, the color of my hair or anything. And, and God sort of just really challenged me about what bravery looks like. And I think sometimes we have this idea that it's a lion or someone that can achieve these amazing things because there are so many superhero movies out there at the moment. And actually quite often being brave is just doing the everyday things. Even just get, getting out of bed in the morning can be um, an example of being brave. And I think looking at what bravery means, I think I thought, well, actually, bravery is courage for a season. Examples in scripture are often individuals that are brave for a period of time for that season um, that they need it for. So, yeah, that's brave. <laughs> now, now, have you seen, uh, maybe you can tell us some stories of people around you who you've seen being brave in those ordinary moments in life um, when a crisis hits or a massive challenge hits what, what kind of things do you see people doing that you would describe as as brave that maybe otherwise we wouldn't even think of as being courageous I think um for the people that I've met and we have the privilege don't we in church of meeting so many people um there are individuals that live with long-term disabilities and they don't complain and they they're there in church and they are often prayer warriors and they, their lives are extraordinary the things that they've gone through and we don't always appreciate the backstory to people the things that they've gone through the things that they do so yeah and in, in nursing as well I've, I've met some extraordinary people um the things that they've gone through um and all the challenges that they live with Mm. So what are the things that we need to do in ourselves to understand how brave or courageous we're being, I suppose? I think, um, you know, the Bible has about 500 words for fear, or there's, it's mentioned 500 times. And it reminds us actually that, you know, we, we are people that are often afraid and we, we're not as brave as we could be. And that bravery will come from God. He will give us the courage that we need for the season that we're in. That's fantastic. I love that. I really, really love that. Now, um, when you were at school or nursing school or did you go to Bible college, Debbie? Uh, what, what did they What did they not teach you about? What, what did they not teach you about bravery, courage, and resilience that they wish you wish they taught you when you were back in your uh, teens and and twenties, and that actually would solve a lot of heartache for people if they only knew it when they were younger um it's really interesting actually because in universities and schools now they are actually teaching um things like you know mindfulness looking after your mental health and well-being um there's also they often in universities will do a session on resilience for the students and certainly that wasn't something that was ever mentioned either when I did my um, degree in nursing or while my husband was at Bible college it wasn't something that we necessarily thought about they did talk about, um, particularly at Bible College, about the body being the temple and looking after your bodies, but not always about your mental well-being. And I think if they had mentioned that or if I knew about that or thought about that in, in the early years of my life, then perhaps I would have built up some of the reserves I needed to for some of the challenges that we have had. 
And, and, and finally, for those leaders who maybe find themselves in the midst of a crisis right now or are completely stressed out and, and challenged by their circumstances, when you're in the midst of a crisis like that and, and you know you're up against everything and, and back against the wall, what are the first things you can do and what are the, the early steps that you can take just to be brave um, to set yourself on a path of, of a greater level of resilience in your life? I think um, encourage your spirit. Um, Isaiah 42 verse 3 says, a bruised reed who will not break. And I, you know, it's one of my favorite verses because we, we do bend, we are stretched, um, but God gives us the help that we need. And the first place to, to go back to is scripture and obviously praying and being very honest and transparent with the Lord as well, um, you know, sharing what you're going through with him. I love the verse in 2 Corinthians. Um, it's chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And it says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. It's incredible. And actually, in all of the books I've written, I've put that at the beginning because it, it has become a sort of life verse. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I know that will be a great encouragement to people who uh, may be finding themselves in, in a very difficult spot um, right now. Debbie, remind us of the names of your books so that people can uh, look out for them when they're, they're next in their, their bookshop or browsing on Amazon. Okay. Um, so they're both um, published by Monarch Lion. And the one that came out last year is called The Art of Daily Resilience, How to Develop a Durable Spirit. And it is very much um, linking in theory, theology, and experience or testimony, if you want the three Ts. <laughs> Um, and then the bravery book is basically just called Brave. Um, and that, again, um, is just out this month with Monarch Lion. And I think I want them to be resources, things that, you know, people can use um, that will perhaps help them um, and to help them either with resilience, thinking about it. What does it look like? What is the shape of it? How do you actually develop that in your own lives? Are there things you can do? And there's lots and lots of practical examples in both of the books. That's fantastic. And just from listening to you and, 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 and the experience you've had in, in helping people through um, resilience issues in, in their life, I know those books will be a great help to, to, to many people. Debbie, Duncan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. Time to work now on your disciplines, rhythms and healthy practices, especially if you have overindulged on Easter eggs. One great way to get into a good rhythm is to subscribe to the Forge Leadership Podcast to ensure that every episode gets delivered to your device rather than you having to search for it every week. You can subscribe on our website, forge-leadership-podcast.com.